look out the window looking for signs of something other than tall cement buildings and traffic jams, but all I see is gray. I see people pulling carts piled with heavy-looking items, and my tiredness takes over. I start to worry that we have made a terrible mistake. We are on a bus driving through what has become our new home for a year, Wuhan, China. We arrived about 3 a.m. last night to the one-bedroom apartment on the campus where we will be living. After the 12-hour flight from Vancouver to Guangzhou, followed by a two-hour flight to Wuhan, then an hour and a half drive across the city to get here, we are exhausted. The apartment was a little dusty and despite the humid heat, looked cold and uninviting. The furniture inside was very basic and cheap, and there was no bedding on the beds. The only linen we had with us in our suitcases was one sheet and two pillowcases, so we filled the pillowcases with clothes and slept on top of the sheet. We arrive in a very busy health clinic with long lineups. It feels like cattle herding as we go to several different departments to be prodded and get check marks on paper. There are quite a few of us, and there are also many Chinese people in the clinic, so the process takes all morning. John is nervous as he has white coat hypertension. His blood pressure goes up at the thought of being checked by a doctor. So we become a little concerned that we might get sent back to Canada if we don't pass the physical. Little did we know that they don't send anyone back. We are taken to a fast food restaurant and asked what we want to eat for lunch. None of it looks like the Chinese food we have had in the West, so we point at something that looks safe, and I'm pleasantly surprised as it is spicy and quite tasty. Now we are in the bank, and the Chinese secretaries from the school are helping us to get a bank account for payroll purposes, which is proving to be a very long process. I wait while everyone else gets one, but I am told to wait until next week. The bank personnel do not speak English at all, so I hope someone comes with me. They don't explain, but I think it might be because on my visa, I'm here as a spouse. I hope it doesn't cause any problems with getting work here. John was offered this teaching contract, and I was told I might get a job, but not to count on it, as I don't have a degree. I did a 100-hour ESL, English as a Second Language course, in Vancouver in the hopes of getting some work here. We are now in a very noisy shop in what looks like a very busy area called Guanggu. The secretaries help us to buy a mobile phone, and no one speaks English here either, so we are grateful they are with us. They are basic phones and are in English and Korean, so it gets a little frustrating when most of the messages come up in Korean. One new language at a time, please but at least it's in 3G. John gets his first cell phone ever, so is no longer a cell phone virgin. He plays with it for hours, fascinated, like a little kid. There's a big mall next door, so we decide to explore it. 
there's a huge sign running down one side of it, saying it is the longest walking street in Wuhan, and the place is packed with what seems like half a million people. Most of the people we see are young and dressed in a very trendy manner. There are no non-Chinese people walking around, so we seem to attract a lot of attention. People point and stare and some giggle. Others come up to us and motion that they would like a photo with them, so we smile and oblige. Wuhan is in the middle of China, so it is not really a tourist spot. There are zillions of high-rises and lots of crazy traffic, so the city resembles a chaotic dance. Cars, buses, bicycles, and mopeds with tons of stuff on them, or the people on them weaving in and out and around each other. They like to honk their horns. There are signs saying not to, but they are ignored. We are a couple blocks down from the school waiting for the 902 bus. We were told that it goes straight down Minzu Dadao, the road the school is on. A 902 bus goes past without stopping. It is packed so full, people are standing on the steps to go in or out of it. Another 902 bus arrives, also packed with standing room only. We get in and are packed in so tight, we are almost on the driver's lap so we can see the harrowing ride as we hold on to each other and are held up upright by several strangers. There are loads of people with babies. The babies are so cute. One is staring and smiling at me and pulling my earrings for most of the ride. Every lineup at the bus stops we stop at or go past is massive and they continue to let more and more people on until the back doors of the bus are not completely closed because people are leaning against them. We recognize the building where we got our phones and the bus stops. We have to push and shove to get people to move out of the way, saying sorry in English as we fight to get to the outside. We are in a pharmacy, and a girl comes up to us and nervously asks if she can get her picture taken with us. So we say, okay. She motions for us to follow her. Another woman hands me a box from one of the shelves. Luckily, before we left for China, I had read, to be careful about this, that sometimes people try to get free advertising by asking to have a photo taken with a Westerner holding their product. I look at the product she thrusts into my hands and notice they are condoms. I hand them back to her, shaking my head, no. John says, oh, that would be great, my students seeing me with, on a billboard somewhere holding a box of condoms. John has just left for his first day at school, a pro-D day, where he will meet the rest of the staff and they will prepare for the busy start of the year. I still don't know what I will be doing. I am a little worried as we meet some of the people who have been here for a while and one who was told the same thing as me, that there might be a job somewhere in the school, didn't get any work here. Some people tell me I should go to the other schools or universities as there are always people wanting to have conversations with a native speaker of English. So that's what I'll do if nothing comes up here. It is Saturday, and we are in a little shop in the big mall. 
I am in the process of buying a cheap guitar. The young guy that is helping us speaks some English, which makes this transaction easier. He tells us he is in a heavy metal band, and he plays Stairway to Heaven on one of the guitars there. I sing for a bit, but stop before we get to the screaming part of the song. I find a nice-sounding guitar for a thousand RMB, which is about 200 Canadian dollars, and they throw in a guitar case, a capo, and some picks. I have a guitar. We have been trying to get a taxi for quite a while. There are so many people here on a weekend. Every time a taxi stops near to us, there are many people who push forward and get in before we do. I become pushy, give them a dirty look, and we jump into a cab. We give the address verbally, but he doesn't understand us. We haven't met one cab driver here who speaks any English at all. We fumble into pockets and bags looking for the card with the address. It is hard to know if it's our bad pronunciation or the fact that we are foreigners, so people don't even try to understand our Chinese because they don't believe we will be able to speak it. Sometimes I wonder where we will end up. Sometimes I feel like giving up as I seem to go blank when any communication is necessary. The words are so different to anything I've learned before. It seems like a huge mountain to climb. John, on the other hand, has learned and seems to remember the words and phrases he has studied. And when all else fails, there's always sign language. Our taxi driver phones his daughter and hands us the phone, even though we are on the way and going the right direction. We start talking to her and realize he just wants her to get some practice speaking English. She says, where are you going? In a sweet little voice. And we respond, Maple Leaf School. And she says, you are talking crazy. She has now repeated this process a few times, so it's losing its humor. And we are relieved that we have arrived in front of the school. But the driver is happy and proud that his daughter has practiced her English. We try to tip him, but he will not take it. John and I are in a night market called Maudien, and everything looks exciting. There is steam, sizzling color, and cooking smells. People cooking various odd-looking things on outdoor grills, throwing things in big boiling pots of water. We wander from stall to stall, trying to recognize something familiar. We see chicken feet, which are considered a treat here, but we are not sure about the rest. No one speaks English, so we can't ask, and my imagination takes over, and I imagine the worst. It does smell good, though, and my stomach is growling, so I ask John if we can eat something. John says he doesn't want to eat anything that he doesn't know what it is, but is okay with going to a restaurant nearby. We walk into the restaurant, and everyone turns to look at us. We are the only foreigners there. It looks like a gambling den or something. Everyone seems to be wearing dark clothes and is looking at us suspiciously with a cigarette dangling from their lips and a glass of white liquor in front of them. No one speaks English here either, 
but they have pictures on the menu and English translations on some of them. They appear to have at least one specialty, donkey meat. There's even one entree called fried ass, as well as other ass variations. So I settled for braised donkey, thinking I've eaten horse meat in France in the past, so it can't be that different. John orders bullfrog casserole. I say, what? You won't eat from the market, but you'll eat bullfrog? He says, well, at least I know what I'm eating. We also order a dish that looks like fried potatoes. The donkey tastes okay, and John eats a lot of it too. I taste the bullfrog just so I can say I had it, but it is so full of bones, skin, and fat. I feel squeamish doing so. The fried potatoes are excellent, and we finish that dish. It is Monday, and we are at the school cafeteria for lunch. John wants me to meet a British guy who has a teaching degree now, but was in my position a few years ago. He says he can put me in touch with a couple other places that are looking for ESL teachers, but it would mean a trip to Hong Kong for a visa, as I am here as a spouse. Another Brit who is married to a teacher at the school says he could introduce me to a guy who manages foreign singers. We met the first night we were here where he heard me sing. He plays piano, so we make a plan to meet up to see whether we could play together. He likes jazz, so I try out a few songs I know. He is very good on piano, but I'm not sure about playing together. We speak to the manager, and the contracts sound pretty hard. Three-month contracts, singing for about a 100 bucks a night for four hours a night, seven days a week, touring around China. I don't think I would see much of John if I did this, but we'll see if I can negotiate. Mm-hmm. 